Little Anthony D'Astasio walks along the street in Boston, Massachusetts. It's close to 1pm on January 15th, 1919. It's a Wednesday afternoon, and while it's only 4 degrees Celsius, it's warmer than it has been for the last few days. He walks with his sisters, no doubt enjoying the sunlight as they stroll. As he jokes and laughs with his sisters, they hear a strange sound. A rumble like a train going past, though they can't see one. And what almost sounds like machine gun fire? As they look around to see what it is they hear, suddenly a great wave of liquid hits them in the street and tumbles them around on top as though they were surfing. Then, just as quickly, Anthony is under the surface, stuck to the ground as the liquid rolls over him. When he finally stops moving, he hears his mother calling for him, but he can't say a word. His mouth is clogged with goo. The next thing he knows, he wakes up to find his sisters staring down at him. This might sound like a tsunami, but it's not. It's the Great Boston Molasses Flood of 1919. You look confused, boy. A little bit confused. It took, it's a very long intro. Yeah, you're welcome. Mine, it's mine, called scene setting. Yeah, mine are pretty short. Um, this is the longest one I've done. But yeah. yes, it's scene setting. Yeah, no, I went in multiple different directions and I'm like, okay, mm. I know what this is. I don't know what this is. Molasses flood. Molasses flood. Oh, anyone with kids out there, jelly flood. <sighs> you might get that. Before we get stuck into it. Yeah. At Cheeky Tales Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if you would like to join the community. Just um, like last week, where we had all those people tell you how much they enjoyed the blog. Uh, there was two people, <laughs> one of which was your wife. Doesn't matter. And one which was my cousin. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but yes, we post uh, some extra images there that might help you understand uh, what you're hearing about. This week, uh, it will matter because there will be some photos. Of- I want to see a molasses flood. Yeah, there's no photos of the flood itself, but there is uh. photo, well, because it just sort of happened, um, but there is photos of the relevant area and mm-hmm. the tank that was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it'll give you an idea of, of what we're talking about today. So, yeah. Uh, what do you know about molasses, boy? It's sticky. It is sticky goop. And it's made from sugar. It is made from sugar. And it's brown, mostly. Yeah. Yep. And what do they make? What do they make out of molasses? Well, how about I explain- Rum? How yes. About- how about I, I do Turns my out first- I know a lot about molasses. <laughs> how about I do my first two paragraphs to explain what molasses is? All right. Let's um, get stuck in, boy. Ah, good one. <laughs> we haven't done it for a few weeks. We forgot. <laughs> this was, that was an absolute alley-oop to you. <laughs> yeah. Easy one to get. So, what is molasses anyway? To understand just how a flood of molasses happened in the streets of Boston, you need to understand what molasses is. The most common form of molasses, and the one involved in the molasses flood, is cane molasses. I'm going to say molasses a lot. Just molly. It's a molly flood. (laughs) So, molly is made by- (laughs) I love when we just go for it. I feel like molly's a drug as well. I know, yeah. Maybe not molly. Molasses is made by- Moles. <laughs> Moles flood. <laughs> yeah, there's not really any other way, is there? No. Uh, so the cane goo is made by boiling the juice <laughs> boiling the juice extracted from sugar cane. Unlike refined sugar, it still contains a lot of vitamins and minerals. Um, so, yeah, they get sugar cane, they squeeze out the juice, uh, and then they just boil that. Um, yeah, right. yeah, there's like three stages of molasses. There's once boiled, twice boiled, th- thrice boiled. Um, yeah. 
I believe that this is twice boiled molasses, uh, but I'm not entirely sure. And I assume that changes the consistency of the molasses, how many times it's boiled? Yeah, so it, it sort of increases the stickiness and decreases the goopiness, I mm-hmm. guess. I don't know. But yeah, it's sort of different stages of, of boiling. The more you boil, I think the more goopy it gets. Yeah, right. Before the 20th century, and certainly in the US before World War I, molasses was incredibly popular in American homes. It was the sweetener most used in the home, as white sugar was still too expensive. Ooh, but it, it's made from white sugar. No. No, it's made from sugar made cane. From cane. So, yeah, they yeah. continue no refining yep. molasses to make... Yep. Yeah. It was used in the baking of sweets. Used to, so, brown sugar. That's sugar with molasses in it. So, it's yes. just sugar with sugar. Yeah. It's, it's, white, <laughs> it's refined sugar rolled around in some molasses. But is it, brown sugar is meant to be more healthier, isn't it? Yeah, I thought that too, but no, no it's, it's significantly just, it's worse. It's just white sugar with yeah. other sugar. I think because I- Solving the big issues here at Cheeky Tales. <laughs> in my head, I always thought raw sugar and brown sugar were the same. Yeah. But no, they're not. Um, there is no better sugar. <laughs> it's just sugar. Yeah. But it's, it's sugar squared almost. It, well, in a way, yeah, sure. You could say <laughs> that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Sorry my, to everyone else out who, who already knew that. I just I was today years old when I discovered like I only worked out like two weeks ago because yeah. I was using brown sugar for a coffee at work just like oh I want to see how this tastes and then I was like hang on isn't brown sugar raw sugar and then someone was like no idiot and so then I looked it up the main the main time I use brown sugars uh, in my steak rub oh yeah mm. molasses was used in the baking of sweets used to make candy and as an additive in animal feed and most importantly. He said animal feet. I was like, yeah, they make animal feet from it. What? Glue them on there. But animal in my feed. opinion, right. in my opinion, most importantly, rum. It is the principal ingredient in the production of rum. Um, Yo ho ho! All of the rum are gone. Its popularity was also boosted by the fact that it can be fermented into ethanol, which is a key ingredient in the production of gunpowder. Considering there was a big old war going on in Europe at the time, you can imagine that suddenly people were clamouring to squeeze some juice out of some cane. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, um, very popular in the home and then very popular to make bang juice or bang bang powder. A couple of years later for race cars too. Yes. Yes, very much so. Mm. I, I, to be fair, I just learnt that too, that it was used for gunpowder. Mm. I didn't know that it was a, a main ingredient in that, but oh. yes. It is. It's very interesting. Yeah. So, that is molasses. Why was there so much molasses in Boston? Because there was a molasses factory. Nope. Because um, they need it for the all the tea they had. Nope. To make the tea sweeter. Are you thinking of the Boston Tea Party? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, that's just a few, remember that's the Boston few, Tea Party later. Few, oh, does it come up? Does no, it? but uh, just remember it. All right. It's not related in any way, but sure. you'll know why I reference okay. why. I, why I told you to remember it. Right. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, the Boston Tea Party was- uh, Future episode. Yep. Sure. <laughs> People got jack of some taxes and yeeted some tea into the water. Done. Right. There's more to it. We'll do an episode. Yeah. We actually, we touch on a couple of things in this that uh, are going to be episodes, I think. So- Why was there so much molasses in Boston that it caused a flood that almost drowned a six-year-old? Was he six? Did I say his age? I don't know. What was his name? He was I young. didn't say his age at all. Uh, little Anthony Distasio. How old was he? Four? I think he was like eight or ten. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I actually don't know. I just read this. I read that story and was like, that's a good opener. Yeah, he found himself in a sticky situation. Oh, boy, was he sticky. As you can imagine, 
With such a high demand for molasses existing not just for industry, but for the home as well, there was a great deal to be gained from having a large storage facility at your disposal. For this reason, the Purity Distilling Company was looking to expand on their capacity for molasses storage in the Boston area. They were looking to store molasses in Boston in an area that was close to a rail line, as molasses would be sailed in on ships, then loaded onto trains to be taken to the distilleries that would produce the molasses into ethanol, which would then be shipped on to munitions manufacturers to make gunpowder. Was Timothy Dexter shipping molasses? I don't did believe he just, so. Did he just happen to buy a no. big ship full of molasses and then was like, someone said, <laughs> go to Boston with it, thinking setting him up because there's a big storage there. No, because there was the an tanks, existing demand for molasses. And then the tanks bust <laughs> and then all of a sudden they need some molasses and he just happened to be rolling into port with a ship full of it and making a heap of money. When did when was the Timothy Dexter story? I don't remember when it was. I think it was close to a year ago. No, nah, is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was significantly more than a year ago. <laughs> well, while John looks that up... The perfect location was found on the north end of Boston, nestled between the harbour and the train tracks, making the move from ship to train that much shorter. It was also a densely populated area, with the police and fire station across the road, as well as residential areas nearby. Construction on the tank began in 1915, with the tank being built to massive proportions. Have you found the date? I have. Yeah. Timothy Dexter died in 1806, so if he had made that business decision... Spooky. Wow. <laughs> he's, got, ghost he, he's got a lot of foresight. <laughs> so yeah, this tank, it's, it's a big boy. Yeah, big boy. You got volumetrics on it? It would have a diameter of 27 metres or 90 feet mm-hmm. with a height of 15 metres or 50 feet. Mm-hmm. At full capacity, it would be able to hold 9.5 million litres or 2.5 million gallons of molasses. Not a big tank. Oh, that's a lot of goop. That's a, that's a lot of goop. That's a goop. For reference, that's more than three and a half Olympic swimming pools worth of molasses. Three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and it was hanging over the heads of the residents of Boston. Oh, so it wasn't even on the ground. Well, no, it was on the ground, but yeah. oh, it's 15 right, metres high. Yeah, because it's so, so 15 metres yes. is a five-storey building. Yes. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. It was 30 metres long. Yeah. So just go onto our socials and check out the photo that I put up mm. of the, the tank. You can see it sort of over the top of Boston. It's a big boy tank. It's a big tank. How many fish could you put in that boy? More than three. (laughs) If you know anything about the topics we've talked about already on this show, you know that people in the early 1900s didn't necessarily think things through all that well. And so that tale would repeat itself with the molasses tank. Purity Distilling Company would, understandably, be pretty excited about being able to store all that sweet goo. And before construction had been completed, you know... You would think I would finish that sentence in the script, but I didn't. <laughs> that, sorry, read exactly what you've got written for That's me. what I wrote. Yeah. And, and then I went on to, as you might imagine, that might put a lot of pressure on the builders. So, <laughs> what's, um, the, what's, what's the end of the sentence? The sentence that, the part of the sentence that I left out was that they put in an order for 700,000 gallons of uh, molasses mm-hmm. before they had even completed construction. Uh, like at the bottom part. Like the bottom part. Uh, you, what, can't just, you can't know, just you have can't have open just, air. I know. It <laughs> Imagine all, all the birds. <laughs> just shit, did it? Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> Let me get some molasses. Oh. What's this in here? Bit more protein than normal. <laughs> Sprinkles. As you might imagine. Oh, protein? Protein's not in bird shit. 
I'm sure there's protein in bird shit. Okay, I don't think so. As you might imagine. Is there protein? All right, you know what? I'm going to. Okay, Google. Hey, Google. Is there protein in bird poo? There you go. So there's a- No. (laughs) No. Not as much protein as you were thinking. Yeah, so it turns out there is some protein in it. So, you know, suck on that bird poo. I think it was like, what, 10% or 80%? Was it 80% nitrogen? Or whatever. It was a small amount. Google, can you repeat it? No. (laughs) Anyway, there's there's protein in bird poo, so I win. (laughs) Cheeky Tales Pod, tell us us who the victor is. (laughs) Cheeky Tales Pod, did you think there was protein in poop? (laughs) Bird poop. As you might have... Well, there's obviously going to be protein. We're not talking about the protein levels of poop. As you might imagine, (laughs) this put a lot of pressure on the builders to have it done on time, and the delays that inevitably occur with a structure like this put even more pressure on them. If the molasses couldn't be stored in the tank on its arrival, it would have to be disposed of, costing the Purity Distilling Company a lot of sweet dough. So they literally would just have to dump it in the ocean somewhere. Like the Boston Tea Party? Well, that was in the Boston Harbour, but yes, somewhat like that. Is that that what I'm waiting for, reference-wise? No. Okay. The tank would be completed just in time, but not without some issues. For one, the quality of construction had suffered greatly from the speed, and without the, necessi- without the necessary quality checks, like, you know, checking for leaks, being completed, the tank was a bit of a dribbler. Gooey dribbler? It was a bit of a gooey boy on the outside. From day one, the great molasses tank would leak like a sieve. So could you just walk up to the tank and just lick it and be like, mmm, sweet molasses? At all times, there was molasses working its way slowly down the sides of the tank. Mm. While you might imagine the mess of this was frustrating enough for the owners, the local families walking up and scooping some goo for themselves to use at home was much worse. So yeah, people would just send their kids send their kids down the street with a cup and be like, hey, get some goo. Hey, Billy, go up to the old leaky boy and get us a cup of molasses. Yeah, so people would walk up and just off the side, get some goo, walk back home. That's awesome. Yeah. What a win for the people of Boston in 1919. How do you think the Purity Distilling Company went about fixing that problem? They put a fence up and guards around it. Nope. No. Any other ideas? Um, I've uh, got nothing. They painted it brown and that's it. Oh, so you couldn't see where the molasses was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Deadpool theory. Obviously, this didn't fix the issue, but it did make it harder for people to scoop some goop on their way home. For the time being... Things were looking up for the Purity Distilling Company. Could that be the title? Scoop some goop. Scoop some goop. The Great Molasses, <laughs> the Great Boston Molasses Flood. Scoop some goop. Scoop some goop. Yeah, you know what? I'm happy with that. Yep. Mm. I mean, just change the whole title of the podcast. Goop scooping. Goop scoopers. My goop scooping baby was driving <laughs> me crazy. <laughs> That's about all I have for that song. Yeah. Aside from the dribbling, the tank also had other noticeable issues for the locals. When the tank would be filled, it would audibly groan and creak. <laughs> I imagine it would be quite loud Ooh, as yes. well. Yeah, that's a, that's a big boy with some big creaks, which no doubt could be heard by those around. While the locals would obviously oh. be concerned by this, the tank held for years without incident. That would be awful in the middle of the night. You're just sleeping. <laughs> 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 Just like some drunk whale out there. I imagine, you know, in like movies about ships when yeah. people are under the, under the ship and it's like, that's exactly what I imagine. What a 
is this podcast come to? It's just us going, <laughs> We're imitating a tank. So, yeah, the tank held for years without incident mm. and people started to get used to the sounds as they went about their day. How many years? Well, it was built in 1915. Okay. And this incident happened in 1919. Okay, so, four years. It's not mm. that long. <laughs> that was until January of 1919 when a ship slipped into the harbour to squeeze out its brown sloppy load into the tank. I forgot. I forgot that's how I ended that sentence. And it cracked me up. <laughs> you lost it. Yeah. You found you. Because I thought it was a more serious sentence and then I, I looked ahead and saw brown, sl- brown sloppy load. And I went, oh, that's right. I didn't take this bit seriously. <laughs> Oh, you just cracked yourself up. That was the funniest. <laughs> yep. So a ship a ship came in to squeeze out its brown sloppy load into, into the tank. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's really tickled his own fancy oh, here. I had fun writing this. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. So the days before the incident. Mm. As we said before, molasses is the primary ingredient in the production of rum, which as we all know is an alcoholic beverage. Oh, is it? It is. Hmm. Around the end of World War I, the US had decided that alcohol was bad and had to be banned. And so prohibition was starting to become a hot topic. By early 1919, it would only take one more state voting in favour of prohibition for it to be ratified into law. And people were starting to think about stocking up on their alcoholic supplies. On top of this, there was a little global pandemic called the Spanish flu that was ravaging the city at the time. And so the double whammy of alcohol production and industrial alcohol demand for medicinal cleaning meant that the need for molasses was through the roof. Checks out. Yeah, those are both topics that I think we will cover at some point, Prohibition and the Spanish flu. Yep, fair enough. Because mm. they're both very interesting. Prohibition uh, on its own, crazy. It was, the Spanish flu would be very interesting after what we've just gone through the last couple of years. I thought about doing it early on, but I went, mm, mm, Not in the middle of it. Maybe not while we're living it. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, Prohibition um, was going to be, it actually got ratified the day after the event. So, <laughs> I just had a thought for when the current pandemic officially ends. Yeah. Which is, I think, soon. Yeah, I mean. Should we do a couple of celebratory episodes? Spanish flu and then the plague. Like the yeah. Black Plague. <laughs> Spanish flu, plague of Justinian, Black Plague. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do a couple of celebratory episodes, which is mm. one after the other. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bowler, chuck that in there. Anthrax, get them all in. Yep, all right. Mm. It's plague month. <laughs> it's epidemic month. Don't epidemic your month. <laughs> I think epidemic's different from a pandemic, but whatever. Yes. Epidemic is like local, I think. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Someone Google it. Tell us in the comments. At sure. Cheeky Tales Pod. Yep. Um, Engagement. Yes. Yeah, so the reason why prohibition mattered for this was that it was very close to- ratification. Mm. Uh, it actually got ratified the day after this incident. So this happened January 15th, January 16th, uh, it got ratified. And mm-hmm. one year after that, it would go into law um, and ban the sale and production of alcohol. Um, but crazy, crazy times, really, when you think about it. It is wild that it happened. Yeah. Uh, and when you find out why it happened, even crazier. Um, but you would be allowed to keep any alcohol that you already owned. Um, so- the idea that people were starting to have and the production companies were having was let's just let's, make as yeah. much as humanly possible right now and sell it right now. Yep. And then people will have it while prohibition exists. Um, yeah. 
So that's what was going on. They were trying to pump as much molasses through Boston as possible to get it out to the industrial manufacturers to make cleaning alcohol and the alcohol distilleries to make rum. In a rush to fill the tank, possibly due to demand caused by the issues I mentioned before, the cargo ship Malero was in the process of unloading 2.2 million litres or 600,000 gallons of molasses into the tank on January 12th of 1919. How long does it take to make that much? Like, that's... Quite a while, I imagine. Wow. Mm. By the time the fresh molasses had finished being added to the tank, it was almost full, with 14,000 tonnes of molasses sloshing about in its belly. The newly added molasses was much warmer than the molasses that was already sitting in the tank, freezing in the cold Boston weather. Has, has this tank been at, like, capacity before? Or is this the first eight time? Eight times. Okay. Yeah. It had only been completely filled eight times. Right. Uh, And as the two loads started to mix, a fermentation process began, which started to release gas into the tank as well. (laughs) Groany boys at it again. (laughs) While the weather had been painfully cold in Boston, on the 15th of January 1919, the temperature had risen from from around 2 to 41 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative 17 to 5 degrees Celsius. Negative 17. Yeah, so the day before it had been negative 17. The 15th, it was five. So not hot, but certainly warmer than negative 17. That's quite a difference. Yeah. That's more than 20 degrees. Yeah. It's 22 degrees. The previous day, that is. So the day before, mm-hmm. it had been negative 17. While the locals would surely be enjoying the respite from the cold. Beach day. <laughs> get in the harbour. Yeah. <laughs> get your swimming to- togs Kids, we're going to the beach. It's five degrees. Yahoo! That's, yeah, oh, that's, that's definitely not a Boston accent. By the way, anytime I mention the harbour from now on, it's going to be harbour. I'm walking here. Far harbour. Oh, yeah, all right. Get you full that reference in. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so the, the increased temperature would only serve to warm the tank, causing the fermentation to continue, increasing the gas pressure inside the tank. It would also lower the viscosity of the molasses, making it runnier than it had been. This would also cause the molasses to expand, further increasing the pressure on the walls of the tank, which, as we know, were already a little leaky. Thankfully, though, the groaning of the tank wouldn't be causing concern for the residents and workers nearby, as a boiler maker had been working around the tank recently to plug those holes and stop the leaking. Nice. As I'm sure you can already tell, it's not going to stay. Not going to stay that well. The leaks, the previous leaks, probably helped it from any of those gas buildups. Probably helps Just release pressure, yeah. The, yeah, release some pressure. Now, in the opening, what did you say the kids felt? They felt a rumbling like they a train. They felt a rumbling like a train was going past. And then machine gun fire. Yeah. So I'd say the rumbling is, not sure, but I'd say the machine gun fire would be rivets in the tank. Spot popping. on. Yep. So let's get to it. The wave. At around 12.30pm on January the 15th, 1919, a massive rumbling noise was heard from the tank, followed by the sounds of rivets yeeting themselves out of that big boy like bullets. Finally- Did anyone get hit? Was anyone injured from the rivets? Not as far as I can tell. That's a way to go. Cause of death? <laughs> Cop the rivet. Rivet the to the noggin. Yeah. <laughs> There was a massive crash, and the sweet, sticky brown goop started flooding out of the now-collapsed tank. A giant wave of brown, sticky goop would begin its destructive- Did I say the exact same thing in two sentences? I did. What a nerd. (laughs) (sighs) 
So the brown sticky goop. I'm not here. I just just go without me, boy. Come on. <laughs> the brown sticky goop. I've now said that four times mm. in two minutes. Would begin its destructive march through Boston. It would measure 4.5 meters or 15 feet high and 48 meters or 160 feet wide, and would sweep through the streets at 60 kilometers an hour. That's Jeez. 35 miles an hour. Wow. And the destruction and the destruction it would cause was unbelievable. Oh, cleaning that up would be awful. Oh, we're getting to that. Yeah. The fire station directly across the street would be hardest hit, almost being completely destroyed. The Purity Distilling Company offices next door would be completely flattened. I mean, that's just that's just poetic. <laughs> poetic justice. Yeah. The police station and other public buildings would be swept 100 feet away into a park, collapsing as they went. Wow. Sections of the tank were thrust against the supports of the elevated railway so hard that it collapsed, with a train momentarily being lifted off the rails as it outran the disruption. Destruction. Oh, so the train was hooking it down the line. Yeah. As stuff was clutching. The train was it. leaving and they're like, oh, geez. And yes, the- that's movie scene quality. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Just yeah. imagine everything collapsing as the train's going. One carriage falls off the back. Well, they reckon it was second. If they had been seconds earlier or seconds later leaving, they would have gone and fallen off the rails and onto the street. On the street, things were horrible for pedestrians and their vehicles. People in nearby basements were flooded in, drowning in the sticky death. Oh, no. Drowning? Yeah. On the street, people like Anthony Distasio, from the introduction, were swept away and trapped in the molasses that was now stuck two to three feet deep across the streets nearby. Even horses got stuck in the goop, struggling to escape its sticky grasp. They just would have licked themselves out though, wouldn't they? Well, no. So once you get molasses in your mouth, if you've got enough of it, you just can't clear it because it's so sticky. Yeah. The Boston Post described the scene as follows. Molasses, waist deep, covered the street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled to form. Whether it was animal or human was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. They would further describe being stuck in the molasses. Snared in its flood was to be stifled. Once it smeared ahead, human or animal, there was no coughing off the sticky mass. To attempt to wipe it with hands hands was to make it worse. Most of those who died, died from suffocation. It plugged nostrils almost airtight. Not so funny now, is it, boy? No, there's no (laughs) jokes for me to make now. Yeah, it's... Get to the statistics, how many? The rescue efforts and aftermath. Okay. Now that people were stuck in the molasses and the wave had stopped destroying everything in its path, there was obviously a need to rescue those who were stuck in the goop. Several blocks of the Boston North End were now covered in goo, and time was running out to, re- to rescue those trapped. Rescuers would rush to the scene, but a side effect of a flood of molasses is that there is a flood of molasses everywhere, <laughs> which is very hard to walk through. Remember, it was two to three feet deep yeah. in these areas. While it's undoubtedly difficult to walk through three feet of molasses at the best of times, you have to remember that the air in Boston was still only five degrees. It's freezing at the same time. Well, not freezing, but... And so as the molasses cooled to meet the air temperature, it got harder and harder, making it more difficult for the rescuers to move through, and more importantly, for those trapped to escape from. First on the scene were 116 Navy cadets from a nearby ship, 
who ran several blocks to start pulling out survivors. They were soon joined by members of the Boston Police, the Army, and nurses from the Red Cross. The nurses in particular were said to dive into the molasses with little regard for their own safety, working through the night to tend to the injured and rescue survivors trapped in the goo. A Navy sailor called Harry Howe was quoted as saying, We saw this big cloud of brown dust and dirt and a slight noise. This is a Boston accent. JFK's there. JFK was from Boston. And there was an arm sticking out from underneath the wheel of a truck. So two of us got hold of his arm and pulled. And unfortunately, we pulled his arm off. Yeah. Gruesome stuff. It would be a full four days before search efforts were called off. And they went to the moon. (laughs) Sorry, it's just your JFK accent. This happened in 1919. Hmm. 50 years later, man landed on the moon. So- Okay. <laughs> Just, you know, we can't build a tank. Well, now we're on the moon. Yeah, Same right. country. Uh, I just wanted to reference that again. Sure. A makeshift hospital was set up nearby the disaster site, with the dead and injured being taken there for treatment and identification. The nurses were I mean, there. Fair. Uh, they pulled his arm off. They could just shove the wound with molasses. It'll probably stop the bleeding. <laughs> I think if his arm came off, it might have been ripped off already. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. he was stuck under a truck, remember? Yeah, right. Yeah. The nurses at the hospital were said to be covered in blood and molasses themselves, and the shrieks of those injured were almost unbearable. Those who had died were also incredibly difficult to identify, as they were glazed with hardened molasses. Other victims had been washed into the Boston Harbour and wouldn't be found for three to four months after the disaster. Are they encased like the mosquitoes from Jurassic Park? Going to say no. Okay. In total, 21- Do you know what I'm talking about? No. In total, 21 people were killed, with a further 150 injured in the brown wave. Yeah, wow. Eventually, there would be a class action lawsuit. Like you said, being in the basement would suck. Like, there's no chance of getting out of that. No, because all of a sudden it's just full of molasses. What do you do? You can't swim in it because it's too thick. The other thing to remember is that it's got 40% more. It's 40% more dense than water. So when it's moving, it's got a ton more energy when it hits you. Mm, so yeah. So like, think about getting hit by a wave at the beach. Now imagine it forty percent denser. Denser. Yeah. Oof. Eventually, there would be a class action lawsuit brought against the company that owned the Purity Distilling Company. It would be one of the first class actions in Massachusetts, and is considered as a cornerstone for the corporate regulation we have today. The company would eventually pay out a total of $628,000 in damages, or $9.82 million in today's money. Families of the victims were reportedly given $7,000, or $109,000 today, per victim. It wasn't all over yet, though, as there was still 2.5 million gallons of molasses to clean up. Part of the problem was that everyone that went to the site for the uh, site of the flood, whether they be rescuer, victim, reporter, or gawker, would get the goop on their shoes and clothes and would then track the molasses all over the streets and subways of Boston. Mm. While they would use water from, the, uh, from a fireboat to wash the molasses into the harbour and sand to soak it up, it would still take weeks to clean up the immediate area. This action would also turn the water in Boston Harbour brown for as long as two months. Boston Tea Party. They washed it into the harbour. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's what I was telling you to okay. remember. Yep. Mm. Sure. It would be even harder to clean the rest of Boston, with that process taking many more months. But it's, it's denser than water. Yes. So does that mean there's still molasses sitting at the bottom of the harbour? It is possible that there's some still around the place dried up, yeah. 
Yeah, we are. It was also said that everything a Bostonian touched was sticky and that the north end of the city of Boston would smell of the sweet smell of molasses on hot days for decades Ooh, to come. Yeah, it would, it would heat up and it'd get yeah. all- Yeah. Yeah. Because you imagine like it's in the cracks in the street. Yeah, and, like in the cobblestone streets yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and like on the brickwork on the side of buildings and stuff. Yeah, so for decades they reckon they could smell molasses. I wonder if you could still smell it. A hundred years. In a hundred years, I, I doubt it. Nothing much remains in the area from that time. Certainly not the tank or its remains. Despite this, on the 100th anniversary of the disaster, a ceremony was held on the site. They, they tip some molasses down the gutter. Just <laughs> Pour one out for our homies. Yes. <laughs> Prior... <laughs> How disrespectful. <laughs> Prior to the ceremony, ground-penetrating radar was used to find the concrete slab of the tank, which still remains on the site. It now sits about 50 centimetres or 20 inches below the baseball diamond of Langone Park, which sits on the site today. People at the ceremony stood in a circle around the edge of where the tank would have stood and read aloud the 21 names of those who died in the disaster. All in all... So, hang on. The, the, ahem, all in all, it was quite a sticky situation. I've already used that joke, sorry. <laughs> no, you said let's get stuck in. No, I said it halfway through. I said the young fella found himself in a sticky situation. Ah, oh, you ruined my ending line. Yeah, sorry. Damn it. So it's the, the, the concrete base plates... Underneath the baseball field. Baseball field. Mm. Is that Diamond City in Fallout? No, that's Fenway Park. Oh, right, yes. Okay, yep. I was trying to think, like, because you didn't say the name I recognised. No. So there's two baseball fields in. Uh, I'm sure there's more than Boston. two. Yeah. There are baseball fields everywhere, all over America. Mm, yes. Mm. I, I discovered that when I played Flight Simulator. Yes. You, you look down, it's just baseball field, baseball field, yeah. football field, football field, baseball field, football field. Yeah. But yeah, that is the Great Molasses Boston, sorry, the Great Boston Molasses Flood of 1919. That is a story I was completely unaware of and mm. very interesting. Sad that 21 people died. Yeah. Which is quite low, I think, com- compared to how much Considering the, the size of the wave, mm. yeah, it is. I was expecting many more people. I think the, the good thing is that these buildings were multi-story. So if you weren't on the first couple of stories, you're going to be okay. Mm. But um, yeah, but how high did you say the? It was. Did you say it was like four meters high? The actual wave. Where is the wave? It was four point five meters. That's one and a half stories of a building. Mm. So you, your story of a building is roughly what three meters, I think. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. two and a half, three. Yeah. Well, your internal height's two point yeah. four, but they they go a story is about three, I think. Yeah. That's, that's one and a half stories. Mm. That's most low set houses now, just completely. Mm. Yeah. Inundated. I imagine that uh, quite quickly it wasn't that high. No, just the initial wave. Yeah. But um, it was downhill too, away from it. So it probably ran quite quite fast down the hill. Gained momentum. Yeah. Big snowball and a cartoon. Mm. I mean, it was going 60Ks an hour. That's. Yeah, so basically anyone in the street. Yeah, stand on the side of the street next time and just watch a car go past you at 68. And imagine it's a a four and a half metre high, 48 metre wide molasses wave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't outrun it. Like as soon as you think about that. You couldn't outrun it. Picture a car in a residential street driving past, but it's a massive wave of molasses. Couldn't outrun it. You couldn't surf it. Just just body surf it. Yeah, until you get dunked and then you're dead. (laughs) Because you can't swim well, out. The kid survived, didn't he? 
He survived, yeah. Yeah, he got dunked, yeah. He did get dunked, yeah. Um, yeah, wild stuff, hey. Like, it, yeah, it. I love that story because it's one of those like, are you kidding me? Molasses? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and how is it not a movie? I know, right? And what's the movie going to be? Or a TV series. It could be a miniseries. Miniseries, yeah. It's yeah. Like building. Yeah. And then the actual flood. Yeah, I can see it. And then the clean up and yeah. rescue. Maybe three or four part miniseries. Yeah, just like Chernobyl. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking yeah. of Chernobyl. You know what? Um, I'm going to edit that bit out and we're going to send off a script request. <laughs> to HBO. HBO. We found your hot new miniseries. Wait, they did Chernobyl, didn't they, HBO? Uh, yeah, that was a Chernobyl one. Yep. Mm. Coming soon to well, it was in Australia, soon. Foxtel. Sticky. <laughs> the molasses story. Um, no, what, what can it be called? I don't think sticky. What was the line that I said? Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of. Squeeze out a brown sticky. <laughs> Squeeze out its brown sticky load. Yeah. <laughs> brown sticky load. Sanam stuck. No. Welcome to Malami. Salasis. Sanalasis. No. It doesn't work. It's all, anyway, ter- it's all terrible. That's for the writers to work out. Yeah. We're just the producers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is that. Sticky. I can't imagine having to clean that up either. Like, where do you start? Where and then, you, like, what do you just flamethrower? Within days, it it's tracked all over the city too. Yeah, because people are coming in. And, yeah. Ugh. Imagine coming home and you just see molasses footprints in the. Ugh. Like, Damn it, <laughs> kids! You have to hand wash everything. No washing machines. Mm, yeah. It wouldn't come out. Yeah, you'd just be buying new clothes, wouldn't you? All your white shirts would be brown. Mm. Good if brown's in season, but mm. anyway. That's that. Tail done. And let's let's not forget prohibitions going on at the same time. You've had a hard day out in the streets cleaning up molasses. You can't even come over and have a beer. Well, you can. Oh, you if can. you already own it, yeah. No, because it hasn't come in yet. It just got ratified. Right, so yeah. it's a year the later. The next year it comes into effect. I, I would assume but, they're still cleaning up a year later. <laughs> but you've got to wear a mask because there's the Spanish flu, flu going on. So, yeah. Which you've gets got- covered in molasses and you can't breathe through because mm-hmm. it just- and you might then get <sighs> Spanish flu. Gross. Terrible. Mm. And can you imagine how sick of smelling molasses you would be? I, I can't it? even think of what it smells. Yeah, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But yeah. You would you would get sick of it. Mm-hmm. All this story did was make me want to drink some rum too. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> Just have a little sip. Why, why didn't we have any? Well, didn't have any. <laughs> I wasn't going to buy it. I wasn't going to buy a bottle of rum <laughs> just for that. 700 mil bottle of rum just yeah. for a little sip. Just dunk. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you for listening, boy. Do we have any local molasses tanks? I'm sure it, what Bundy got some. Oh, certain. Yeah. I've been to the Bundy Rum Distillery and there is a big old shed full of molasses. Not that big? Definitely not. Is it as now, big is as there now regulatory dimensions on how big a tank can be and what specifications it needs to be built to? Because well, I mean, there was at this time. <laughs> they just didn't follow them. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So, yeah. Um, I don't really know much about what happened because of this. Um, all I know is about the cleanup and, and you know, the hundred year thing. Okay. Uh, I might do some research into that because I am curious now myself. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If, um, if possible, please share with a friend, um, maybe someone who likes rum or, mm. or brown sugar. Um, yes. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Uh, find us at the socials, Cheeky Tales Pod on the major socials we got Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Maybe a TikTok coming soon. Nope. 
Be real, though. Uh, what? Be real. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's a new thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't exactly know what it is, but, you know, we're hip and it's cool. It's a new video thing. I'm on it. I'm a social guy. Yeah. Find find the supplemental content there. Um, and, yeah, just get on the get on there and engage with us. Um, Subscribe in your podcast app so that you get it as soon as it comes out or a day later if it's Spotify for some reason. But um, you'll get notified. Yep. Notifications that the episode's out. And we will be back in two weeks' time with we my will. episode. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for the story, boy. Thanks for the molasses flood. That's all right. I hope it sticks. I'm sure the episode will. Good night, everyone. Good night. Little bit. Little bit. Can I get a hi, yeah, boy? I just want that at the end of the episode now.